Today's episode of Arcs Firebug Fridays is brought to you by our good friends at Self Wealth. If you've been thinking about buying some ETFs, listed investment companies, or individual shares, you need to set yourself up with a broker. I personally use Self Wealth because of the rock bottom brokerage fee of $9.50, no matter what the size of the trade. If you're looking to trade on the ASX, Self Wealth is a fantastic chess sponsored option. Save yourself unnecessary brokerage fees and sign up with Self Wealth today. You can score five free trades by signing up using aussiefirebug.com forward slash self wealth. Start your journey towards fire by investing in assets that produce a passive income. The secret to getting ahead is getting started. Take action now, use your free trades and become one step further towards financial independence so you can retire early. That's aussiefirebug.com forward slash self wealth for your five free trades. Welcome back to another episode of Arcs Firebug Fridays, the weekly fire Q&A where you guys get to submit your questions and I try my best to answer them. Firstly, apologies for the, the microphone quality, the sound quality. I am away this week. I'm not at my house. I don't have my good microphone. So I'm on the road and it is, I'm actually using my Surface device, my inbuilt microphone. So it's probably one of the worst microphones you can use. Um, I'm gonna try my best to see if I can clean up the audio in Audacity afterwards, but it, it's not gonna be as good as the normal, uh, or what you, what you guys are used to. So firstly, apologies for that. Um, I hope everyone has finished their Christmas shopping. You know, we got Christmas next week, I cannot believe it. I actually just, I picked up a few things off um, Gumtree uh, this week, just finishing off my uh, Chris Kringle presents or actually we're not actually doing Chris Kringle this year we're doing something else which is it's called like a white elephant gift or something like that some weird um weird game where you can like steal your presents off the other person I'm not sure exactly how it works but it's going to be um it's going to be a bit of fun no doubt we have in today's episode we've got a good one today again we're talking about uh trying to get friends on board with investing have you ever had a friend Maybe he's taken out a car loan at 18 years of age, a you know $30,000 car loan for a big V8 ute, and you might think, hmm, you know, that investing your money using the power of compound interest would really pay dividends later down the track. We're going to talk about that, trying to get people on board with it. How, how do you go about doing that? Um, is it your place to do that? All those stuff we talk, we talk about. Um, we're talking about Labor's plans to remove franking credits and uh, not franking credit, sorry, the franking credit refund they're planning to remove next year. How that plays um, out in my personal strategy and uh, for the for the general fire community that are relying on frank dividends in retirement. And lastly, we're chatting about private health insurance. Do you need it? What's it good for? When um, am I planning on getting it? Things like that. So jam-packed episode today we're going to get straight into it um let's go as always guys nothing in the following episode is financial advice the following q a is for general information only and should not be taken as constituting professional advice you should always do your own research when making any financial decision our first question today comes from luke luke writes in hi 
Have you ever had any success explaining investing to friends? I'm 28 and have a number of friends who don't really understand investing at all, and they prefer to keep their money in the bank. I don't want them to miss out on all the good compounding interest, but I can't sell investing to them. Luke. Hi Luke, thank you for your question. I've never really had to sell investing to anyone. Uh, I guess the only person I've really had to actively um, push the education of the, the power of compound interest and stuff like that is my partner, Mrs. Firebug. And that's just, I guess that's a unique circumstance because, you know, she's the other half of the relationship and we need to be on the same page with things like this. So yes, I went, you know, out of my way and I, I really uh, helped her out with, you know, making her understand a few things that she would have otherwise maybe not have under, understood. But that's really about it. Anyone that asks me in like real life about investing, I'm more than happy to um, chat to them about it, but I don't really go around actively um, selling it or trying to convince people or, you know, like a, a Jehovah's Witness or something going to people's doors and have you discovered the power of compound interest? You know, I don't really, um, I'm actually quite in the opposite um, reserved when it comes to real life, which is you know, quite funny because I got this blog and I'm putting all this stuff out there. But in real life, if the topic of investing comes up, like around the pub or anything, I don't really say much. I, um, if someone asks me, I will, I will happily, you know, say what I know. But um, it's really interesting to hear what other people um, know and what other people like to talk about. And I also find it. Um, a bit ironic as well that when the topic of money and investing comes up in the real world, people, they seem to be drawn to it. Like more often than not, even at the the lunch table at work, if someone brings up what they've, you know, their latest investment or they're buying a, a, a property somewhere or, or they've got, they got a hot stock tip, seems like everyone around the table will really pay attention to the topic and you know if we're talking about sports or something else you know some people might be on their phone but as soon as money comes up it seems to grab a lot of people's attention from all walks of life which is ironic because money is such a taboo subject and not talked about i think as much as it should be and that goes for you know friends family partners even in in some relationships um so I find it interesting. I, I mean, you know, you don't have to look further than the best-selling book in Australia for like the last three years, which is The Barefoot Investor's Guide to Money. It's the best-selling book in the country and has been for the last couple of years for good reason too, but just goes to um, show how much interest Aussies have in money and, and investing when in the real world it's it's sort of, taboo and cloaked with a bit of um, secrecy, which is a bit ironic. Um, so yeah, I, I to answer your question, don't, don't try to sell it to anyone. I know it can be a bit hard if you've got friends or family. Uh, maybe family is a little bit different, but it depends how close you are with, with a friend as well. Like if, you, if I've seen a, a friend of mine, well, actually I did see friends of mine, you know, when they were 18 years old, get a car loan to buy a really fancy V8 car. And yes, I did sort of in the back of my mind, I was like, oh man, you're going to be, I don't know like if that's the best move and you might regret that later in life. But honestly, 
you know, who am I to say what other people should spend their money on? Anyone can spend their money on whatever the hell they want. I'm, you know, not the boss of anyone, so they can go for it. And I guess we in the fire community have to understand as well that not everyone thinks like us and people um, can get satisfaction, you know, out of a new car and, uh, you know, they, they can live their life how they want to live their life. So, um, yeah, I've never never really had to do that. Um, I guess the best way, in my opinion, if you wanted to try to convince someone um, of the power of investing and, you know, how good it is, like a lot of us in the community already know, um, probably a book would do the trick. I reckon that would, would be the best way. Like maybe if you had a Kris Kringle or something or a Christmas present, you could gift them a book. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the one that did it for me that, you know, discovered, lit the flame, if you will, about this, um, you know, investing, compound interest and financial freedom. Uh, but there's plenty of good books out there. The um, Boggleheads Guide to Investing is a good one. The Barefoot Investor is another great one. So I'd probably go with a book. And if at the end of the day as well, if you give them one of these really good books and they still haven't got it, odds are they probably won't ever get it. And that's not the end of the world. And that's fine. That's everyone doesn't get them. Actually, majority of people never get it. A lot of people get it towards the end of their life, like when it's not so much past them by, but that might, they might wake up at, you know, 50, 55 and, um, you know, realize that these material possessions aren't as fulfilling as they once thought and, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder, participating in the rat race, it's all um, just rubbish and, you know, the simple things in life are what what's important, relationships, uh, good health, meaningful work, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, if, if you give someone a book and they actually do read it and they, they're still not on board, well then, I'm not going to say they're a lost cause, but probably, um, you know, they've just got different life priorities and uh, they might not ever get it, which is fine. We just have to accept that. Hope that answers your question, mate. Our second question for today comes in from Daniel. Daniel writes in, Hey, considering the market turbulence this week and the concerns around the possibility of a Labor, Labor government win and removing franking credit refunds, will your investing strategy remain the same for the next 12 months? Or are you planning to adapt to suit market conditions? Do you dollar, cast, co- do you dollar cost average or save up to buy in the market dips? Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and this is a this is a very good question, and it's actually timely that you've asked this because it's been on my mind more and more. Um, there's a few pieces at play here, and I usually don't like to speculate on future policies because we can only invest with what we know now, and we should be uh, investing on facts and not speculation. And the fact of the matter is. For our strategy and for our goals, that's Mrs. Firebug and myself, the uh, producing a passive income from Aussie franc dividends, including the refund, which is the current law, is the best strategy for us to reach financial independence, in my opinion. And that factors in a whole bunch of things. Um, it's not just about getting the, the best return. It's also about um, being the most comfortable in the strategy as well. 
Um, we opted in strategy three to move to a more dividend focused portfolio because uh, I felt like that would um, benefit us well in a bear market and the sci- psych- psychological effects of receiving dividends every quarter would outweigh the potential gains of going for a more capital um, capital uh, growth um, based income as in having to sell the shares to, to produce that income. So that's uh, there's a whole raft of reasons. It's not just about total return. But, um, so sorry, I got slightly off topic, but we as investors should make decisions based on facts and not, and not speculation. However, having said that, I do think the abolishment of the franking credit refund is very likely to get through which has a big impact on the majority of the FIRE community if you're planning to live on frank dividends, which we are. And for those um, who may be unaware, the franking credit refund part of our strategy um, is it's quite important actually because without the franking credit refund, we essentially lose, we lose the only advantage um, for investing in Australia versus investing, you know, in the, the rest of the world, which is franking credits. You'd have to earn, um, if you're a couple and you're going to be purely living off uh, franked, franked dividends, Aussie franked dividends, you'd have to earn something like, I think it's around $190,000 between the two of years to not get affected by what Labor are proposing to do with this franking credit refund, which is just so much money um we don't you know we won't even get anywhere near that sort of dividend income before we retire we're we're hoping to stop working once we hit around forty thousand um dollars worth of franked dividend income which at forty thousand dollars because we've got the assets in a trust it the plan was to distribute half of that to myself and half of that to mrs firebug which means we would fall under the tax income threshold to begin with, which is eighteen thousand, like five hundred dollars or something like that. So we would, I uh, would, ju- sorry, we would just be over that. But essentially, we would lose out on all the franking credits. Like we, we, we might be able to use a tiny portion of them, but the bulk of them we would lose out on because we're not planning, we're not going to use a whole. Um, or we're not relying on a big dividend income once we retire. Could be just because of the general nature of um, how frugal we are to begin with, we don't need um, a huge income to, to, to live. So in a nutshell, basically what that means, I know they're not getting rid of franking credits altogether, but them getting rid of the refund part of the franking credit, essentially for us in our situation, and what I would suspect a lot of the FIRE community, they're essentially getting rid of franking credits or the the value of franking credits for the FIRE community because our community, we well, unless you're in the high FIRE community, but majority of people, I think, are not looking to generate $180,000 worth of dividend, dividend income. Um, we just want to you know buy a house, pay off a house, and maybe have forty to fifty thousand dollars of passive income rolling in, and live live the best life we can possibly live. 
in that situation, you would get affected greatly by not having the refund. So <clears throat> as I wrote about in strategy three, pretty much the thing that got us over the line or the reason we in invest so heavily in Aussie shares is for the franking credits. So if Labor get in and change this policy, the major reason that we've given up global diversification and investing um, in other parts of the world is to benefit from the unique advantage of investing in Aussie shares, which is the franked dividend. So they take that away from us. I don't really see a good reason to stick with Aussie dividends. It actually makes Aussie dividends in our circumstance very, very tax inefficient because you're losing, you're, you're basically getting an income that's taxed at 30% if you can't offset it with, high, with, with higher income. It's fine when you're working and accumulating, that's fine. But as soon as you go into retirement, you're gonna be earning $40,000, let's say for example, and that's going to be taxed from the first dollar at 30% essentially, which sucks and is not a great strategy in my opinion. And um, yeah, if I'm gonna be honest, I'm not changing the strategy just yet, but I'm definitely keeping my finger on the pulse. And if they get in, and if it actually gets through the Senate, I think we will move back towards a more global diversified portfolio like was in like we had in strategy two and because i always like the global diversification that's you know really important in my eyes but the franking credits really just had the x factor and pushed me over and that's the reason we ended up going with strategy three a more dividend focused portfolio but they take away our franking credits or the franking credit refund i really am going to have to assess um you know, how much we're going to get stung, you know, and I, I feel as though we're going to go back towards a global diversified um, portfolio for that reason. So, um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention as well, just before I wrap that up, is if you're unsure how, how much the refund will affect you, there was a really good post that Aussie Hi-Fi uh, wrote about the refund and what it means for fire people. You can check that out in the article. Uh, if you're working and you're going to have a lot of income from other sources as well as your franked income, then you don't have to worry about it as much because you've got other sources of income that you can use those franking credits to offset. So it's not a big deal. But for us, and what I would suspect a lot of other people in retirement, they're not going to have another source of income. So the franking credits are going to be basically wasted, um, which blows. But you know that's that's the risk that you play when you know if you're if you're relying on or if you you're trusting the government to um, you know keep their hands out of the cookie jar. You know all this can always change. Legislation can always change. And I guess the main the main point um, is to always invest in really good companies that's the the most important thing when it comes to investing because uh, there's always going to be stuff like this that happens um, and there's not much we can really do about it we, we will wait and see uh, to, to answer the to answer the other part of that question Daniel um, we do not invest in one lump sum we dollar cost average at about five thousand dollars a month 
Uh, but recently, because we've been cashed up from the, um, we sold investment property one just the other month, we've actually been drip feeding $15,000 into the markets and we'll continue to do so over the next 18 months. Hope that answers your question and thanks for writing in. That was a good question. Cheers. Our last question for this Friday comes in from Michael. Michael writes in, get a Aussie firebug. Been smashing your podcast over the weekend and have been through about 75% of them. They have been amazing. What are your thoughts on private health insurance? Do you find it worth it? I know it does, re- I know it does reduce the Medicare, Medicare levy by a little, but is it worth it? Thanks, Aussie Firebug, Michael. Hello, Michael, and thank you for your question. We personally don't have private health. I did have private health, private health once upon a time um, when I wasn't a de facto in a de facto relationship with Miss Firebug for tax purposes. I used to have it to lower um, or to the reduce the levy that I paid, and it actually worked out cheaper to get private health um, because I was over the 90,000 um, I had to pay the levy if I got private health it'd work out actually cheaper to to, to do that so um, that's what I used to do so I used to have it just for that reason n- n- not for any other reason than that um, but my accountant actually told me about this rule that you can do that I actually never knew that we can um, put ourselves under for tax purposes as a de facto and unless we were earning over $180,000, we didn't have to pay the levy. So that was easy, I just just did that and then I didn't pay private health at all and that's what we do currently. Um, Honestly, I'm happy to use the public system, especially in our 20s and without kids. Once we hit 30 and when we have kids, that will most likely change and I would say we will buy private health I'm not a real expert with private health with kids and stuff like that, but um, I've spoke to a few people that have lived their entire lives with kids, you know, got three, four kids, and they've just gone through the public healthcare system their whole life and it's worked fine. Um, I've spoke to other people who would never go through the public healthcare system and they, you know, have got private health and they pay thousands of dollars worth of private health every year. I, it, I guess it depends on a whole raft of things, but I feel like in your 20s, you know, relatively, you're rel- relatively healthy, hopefully, in your 20s. Um, will you need it? I don't know. That's a hard one to say because insurance, you know, you never need, you never need insurance until you do. And then once you have insurance, you know, and something happens, you're bloody glad that you do. Um, but my, we've got a pretty good public healthcare system in Australia. Uh, my opinion is, or my, my take on it is I'm happy just to go through that whilst we don't have kids and we're not 30 yet. Um, and really that's, that's all there is to it in, in my eyes. It, you know, it's, it's a lot circumstantial. So um, I'm sure that private health would make a big difference, you know, in a lot of different circumstances. If you're high risk to injury or you've got health problems or, you know, maybe you've got um, a disabled kid or something. I don't know. There's probably a whole whole raft of scenarios where private health makes sense. But um, for me and Mrs. Firebug, we're both fit and healthy in our 20s. I'm just happy if something does happen to us to go through the public system. And, and that's, yeah, that's basically my view on it. Um, something I will say, though, just on this, 
make sure you have ambulance cover. That is really a no-brainer in my opinion. Um, I think it's around about $65 for a couple or 70 bucks for a couple, but it is so worth it. And I think everyone should have it. It should, it should, I reckon it should just be mandatory. We should just, you know, have $70 taken out every single year as part of like Medicare or something. I don't know. But um, it's well, well worth it. Um, I had a friend that didn't have ambulance cover. I didn't actually know if he knew that he needed it. Like maybe he just thought it was part of private health or something but um he got knocked out in football one weekend and he had to get an ambo to the hospital and then he received a uh a not a fine but he he received a um a letter saying that he owed three thousand dollars can you imagine that so i think private private health when you're young fit and healthy i'm not sure if you need it Maybe you can comment, please, on the article if you, you've had a different experience. But I think ambulance cover is an absolute no-brainer, and I think everyone everyone should have that. So that's my take on it. hope that answers your question. And we have finished for this Friday. Uh, sorry for the audio quality again. Um, I'm going to be back on the proper mic next week. But I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a fantastic weekend. We are almost at Christmas time so I hope everyone's finished their shopping and got it all sorted and I will see you next week cheers